Welcome to Mysteries and Mimosas. My name is Max Sterling, and if you're just tuning in for the first time, I'm a real-life podcaster and a real-life 80s music connoisseur. Hmm. Also do a little bit of detective work on the side, but that's not important right now. (laughs) Uh, Joining me is Aria, my lovely wife, who is an expert in restorative justice and victim services. Hi, everyone. Oh, that was a long-winded intro. I'm so sorry. Anyway, what do you have for us today? Well, I'm actually going to let you start with our mimosa recipe for the week, Max. Are you going to put me on the spot, huh? Yeah. Mimosa recipe, here it is. So, if you don't have a champagne glass, hit pause, go get it, come back. If you have a champagne glass, champagne glass, go ahead and fill that glass a third of the way with grapefruit juice. If you don't have grapefruit juice, pause it, go get it, and come back. (laughs) Um, Then you're going to top your uh, champagne flute off with chilled champagne, and this is simple. You garnish it with your choice, rosemary, which is pretty good, thyme, or what I've done is garnished ours with pineapple chunks. Delicious. Delicioso. Well, there you have it. Such a good mimosa for such a good podcast. I can't wait. What do you have for us today? So today's story takes place in 1983. So I have some 1983 trivia for you, Mr. Mister. Are you? That's got to be one of the answers. No. Broken Wings? No, that was 84. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm psyching myself out right now. Well, I mean, you like to brag about how you're so much better than me at trivia, so let's see. You know what? I'm going to bomb it on purpose. Which U.S. holiday was created in 1983? Lady Cabrini Day. Next. Just kidding. No. That's recent. Yeah. Um, would it be... Wait, can you give me a hint? What season? It's in the winter. Winter, early winter or late winter? Like midwinter? That's that doesn't help me. I'm trying to figure out first part of the year or last part of the year. Um, it's well, it's closer to the first part of President's the year. Day. No, no, nope. Closer to the first. I don't. Well, I don't know. Valentine's Day. No, it's. Oh, I lose. You're done. I'm not going to give you any more guesses because you wouldn't have mercy on me. So, Martin Luther King Day. Oh, that makes sense. Yes, man. You know what? That should have been created much earlier. Don't you think? Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know my history, so I get a pass on that one. Go ahead and go on with your next question. No, you don't get a pass just because you don't know history. No, that's fair. Go ahead. What's your next question then? Which of these was not introduced in the USA in 1983? Trivial Pursuit, Cabbage Patch Dolls, Cellular Phones, or the Compact Disc Player? Well, I can tell you immediately, I know that the Cabbage Patch doll was made. That's an early 80s, maybe even uh, late 70s toy. So my gut is telling me Trivial Pursuit, but I'm, I don't know about that. Compact Disc Player makes the most sense to not be made, so I'm going to go with that. Sorry. Wrong. Is it Trivial Pursuit? It's Trivial Pursuit. Unbelievable. Okay. Last question or next question? Last question. Oh, man. Ready? Yeah, go ahead. Hit me with it. 
what country did U.S. troops invade in 1983? I have no idea. Grenada. I'm trying to think of a joke. I got nothing. Nope. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, no, you do. And you I was little, are 0 I was for little, 3. I was a little baby Max working on my rat tail at that time. Yeah. So. But, you know, per our previous episodes, none of that matters the time whether you were born yet whether you weren't born yet you're right you always act like you know everything but you know what here's where i can just admit my failure Mm. you you put together a phenomenal trivia yes yes i did and i'm guessing most of our listeners probably knew about that stuff um but i'm off my game i guess Mm. i'd i concede Thank I'm still you. better than you, but I can see that oh, wow. your see? trivia. You can't just... Just kidding. Anyway, are you ready to get into this week's episode? Yeah, you don't have any more any more questions for me from 83? No. Okay. That's it. I kind of wanted a redemption opportunity, but if you don't have anything and you want to just let me off with three losses... Yep, that's exactly what I want to do. And you want me to just go to bed feeling sorry for myself. I get it. Okay. Yep. I'll just pout the rest of the episode. It's fine. Just go ahead and go on. Get on with it. All right. Just kidding. Okay. No, that was really good. Thank you. You're welcome. So this week's episode is the case of Nylene K. Marshall. On June 25th, 1983, four-year-old Nylene K. Marshall went on a picnic with her family and several friends in the Helena National Forest in the Elkhorn Mountains. This area was near the Marshall family's home in Clancy, Montana. Nylene was with her mother, Nancy, her six-year-old brother, Nathan, her two-year-old sister, Noreen, and her adoptive dad, Kim. You see, Nylene and her brother, Nathan, shared a father, William Roy Briscoe, from Nancy's prior marriage. Nancy married Kim in 1979, and together they had Noreen. Kim then officially adopted Nathan and Nylene as well. All right. I know what you said, but help me break this down. So, whose mom? Kim? Nancy. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna ruin this whole thing, aren't I? Well, it's a lot. It is a lot of ends. They're all ends okay, except so, for Kim, the ste- the adoptive dad. Okay, so we have Nancy and Kim, who went to Helena National Park for a picnic with all these kids. With the three kids. Right, the three kids, and we have who? Nylene, Noreen, and Nathan. Four year old Nylene. Mm-hmm. Two-year-old Noreen and six-year-old Nathan. Wow, two, six, and four. Mm-hmm. All two okay. years apart. Two years apart. Okay, go ahead. All right. So Kim was an avid ham radio enthusiast, and he was a member of the Capital City Radio Club. This is the group the family was picnicking with on June 25th. It's reported that around 4 p.m., Nylene was playing with a group of other children near the beaver dams along Mopin Creek. The other children walked ahead of Nylene, and when they eventually turned around, they realized Nylene was no longer with them. The children quickly reported Nylene's absence to the adults in the group, who then called authorities and then began searching the area. I think it's pretty, you know, I don't want to get off topic, but I think it's pretty interesting that he's a ham radio enthusiast. Mm -hmm. Those people are super smart, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, because it's more than just, oh, I like the ham radio. I mean, a lot of people build ham radios. Yeah, my in my research, I found they actually had met and gotten married in California and then moved to Montana. So I don't know if he was interested in ham radios prior to that or that happened after they moved to Montana and he joined this 
radio club? I'm not really sure. I couldn't find any information about that. But at some point, yes, he became a ham radio enthusiast and they, you know, started hanging out with this group of people. And that's who they were with on June 25th was a group of adults and then all the kids as well. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So during the investigation, it was revealed that two of the children reported a man in a purple jogging suit. Um, he, they said he approached them and attempted to speak to them. The two children said they didn't speak to the man and moved away from him. A six-year-old boy said the man then approached Nyleen and started playing a game with her, asking her to, quote, follow the shadow. This man has never been identified, and it's unknown if he has anything to do with Nyleen's disappearance. Ah, uh, that's creepy. It is. I mean, it's a national forest area, but from what I learned, it seemed like it was a pretty rural area. I don't know how often people were going to go there jogging. Um, I mean, it, it's possible that there there were trails and things like that there. I, I don't know for sure. But nobody else reported seeing this man. None of the adults reported seeing him. Um, just a couple of the, the kids that were playing with Nyleen. I'd be curious to hear if anybody's ever heard of like a game called Follow the Shadow or is this some just some weird thing that he made up right then and there? Yeah, I don't know. No idea. That's that's all the little boy was able to say that it had something to do with, hey, follow my shadow or something along those lines. And I don't know if that was uh, like a ploy for her to follow him that's what it sounds I, and, like. and get her away from the rest of the kids. I mean, that's a possibility. Like... By the time she realizes how far she is away from everyone, he's then able to take her and nobody knows where she went. I, sure. It's a possibility for sure. Over 2,800 volunteers, um, helicopters, infrared heat sensors, and canines were brought in to help search for Nyleen. The area has several ponds and mine shafts. Three canines were flown in via helicopter to assist with the search efforts. One of these dogs in particular was responsible for finding 37 missing persons during its career. So no, it knows what it's doing, obviously. That's a, that's a lot of people for one dog to track. Yeah, I mean, he's got some experience. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So the dogs picked up Nyleen's scent near Maupin Creek uh, pretty quickly, but then they abruptly lost it. This led investigators to begin treating Nyleen's disappearance as an abduction. I think it's important to mention here that Nyleen was only wearing a yellow t-shirt and shorts when she vanished. She was barefoot. This area is remote and filled with pine needles, sticks, stones, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I wonder how far she could have gotten had she just wandered off on her own in these conditions. How far would have she walked without shoes or anything? Well, if she got disoriented and turned around, she could walk a really long ways. You know, it might take her a while, but she can navigate that terrain for a long distance if she's lost. I mean, what choice do you have? True, but why I wonder that is because the kids reported her pretty quickly to the adults. Like, hey, she was here with us playing and now she's not. It wasn't like a bunch of time had passed by for her to have wandered off before the adults became concerned pretty immediately and started searching that area. And then law enforcement responded pretty quickly, too, um, and started searching, so... I mean, is it possible she wandered off and became lost and disoriented, like you said, and people couldn't find her? Of course. But I just wonder, you know, how far could have this four-year-old gotten in that amount of time to where she didn't hear anybody calling for her, the dogs couldn't find her? I mean, not a ton of time had passed, I'm, like I said. So. And I'm curious about this creek. Is it, uh, 
you know, just a, a small Creek that you can cross pretty easily that you, that's not going to sweep you away? Or is it a faster moving Creek that could sweep her away? Yeah. I don't know that for sure. I know there were beaver dams. So it was a big enough Creek that the, the beavers had built dams along it. And that's kind of what the kids were checking out. Um, according to my research. So is it possible she fell into one of those bodies of water and drowned? Absolutely. Would that, would the dogs lose her scent abruptly because she fell in the water and got carried downstream? Oh, or, sure. you know, there was tons of, um, like I said, there were ponds in the area and there were also mine shafts in the area. Is it possible she fell into one of those? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, would the dogs be able to find her though? I don't know. I think that, you know, that, uh, that dog with all those notches on his doghouse for know. finding all them people. Yeah. He would find her in a mine shaft. Yeah, I would, think. I would think so. So that's why it's, you know, kind of one of two things. I think investigators started thinking she was picked up and taken away in a car, maybe somewhere, or she fell in the water. Some, somehow those dogs, they did track her scent. They, they did pick up her scent pretty quickly, but then lost it pretty abruptly. So where'd she go? Yeah. Where did her scent go? Um, I mean, is it possible she was placed in a vehicle and left the area and that's why they couldn't track it? Also possible. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows, you know, what the terrain looks like where the scent is lost. If it's near a roadway, you know, I would imagine they, they probably would have definitely explored that mm-hmm. possibility. Makes sense to me. So the search was eventually called off after 10 days but Nyleen's family were convinced she had been abducted, so they made and distributed flyers around the area. Nyleen's photo was on billboards and was also placed on milk cartons. If you remember back in the day, they used to put missing kids' posters on the, or flyers on the milk cartons, remember? I do remember that. Yeah. So she was on milk cartons, um, and so this is why police started receiving tips from around the country, but unfortunately none of them could be substantiated. In 1985, so this is two years later, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children received phone calls on more than one occasion from a man stating he had abducted Nyleen. Police were able to trace these calls to phone booths in Edgerton, Wisconsin, but after the booths were identified, the calls stopped coming in. In January of 1986, an anonymous person mailed a typed letter to New York-based missing children's organization ChildFind. The letter was found to be postmarked from Madison, Wisconsin, which is approximately 30 miles northwest of Edgerton, which is where those phone booths are located. This letter allegedly contained details that had not been released to the general public, um, and I actually have some uh, excerpts from those letters here. Okay, I can't wait to hear it. What, What does it say? Yeah, so they say, I picked K, so K is her middle name. And this is what he's calling her. I picked Kay up on the road in the Elkhorn Park area between Helena and Boulder. She was crying and frightened. And as I held her, she was shaking. And I decided that I would keep her and love her. I took her home with me. I have a nice investment income and I can work from home. So I care for her myself all the time. I teach her at home and she likes to go with me when I travel. Her hair is short and curly now and she really has grown. She is about 45 inches and around 50 pounds. She has all four of her permanent upper and two of her lower incisors at this time. She takes a bath and brushes her teeth every day. She eats well. Her favorite meal is pizza and cherry. 
She would gladly recount to you trips to San Francisco, New York, Oklahoma, New Orleans, Nashville, Chicago, Puerto Rico, and Canada. We were even in Great Britain for a month last year, and she loved it. Nobody questions passports. The letter went on to say, it kind of cuts out, so it, it sounds a little funny, but this is the information we have. It says, it is or where it comes from, only that I get it from the bathroom every morning. It's actually a spoonful of my semen. It doesn't affect her physically. I have never molested her in any other way. She is a sweet little girl, and it's because of how much I have grown to love her that I realize how much her family must miss her. But she is adjusted and seems happy. She trusts me and isn't afraid. We play a lot, and she laughs when we clown around. She smiles and acts coy when I tease her. I love her, and I have her. I just can't let her go. That's one of the creepiest yeah. things I've ever heard. Absolutely. That's so weird. Do you, th- I mean, does what does that sound like to you? Does it sound like this guy is fantasizing about having her, or do you really think he might have her? Well, I think he he probably has, or if the police are reporting that he provided details about the case that nobody else would know. I mean, yeah, I don't know what those details are. I mean, because from what the letter says, I didn't see anything that's not in the public at this point. Yeah, I don't I don't either. Um, yeah, I can't think. Of, I was trying to look for that through that. I mean, unless there's other letters that aren't released yet. Right, and I mean, that's not the whole letter, obviously, because it was cut out. Some of the sexual stuff, I think, was cut out. That's why it kind of started weird where it says it is or where it comes from. I I don't know what that. It was clearly cut. There's stuff cut out of it. So. So it starts. So it's cut out, but it starts with it is or where it comes from. Yeah. All right. I'm just my my interpretation of this. Probably the preceding sentence is she doesn't know what it is. Or where it comes from. Ah. Uh, That's what but I But then he gets it from the bathroom every day. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That makes so, total sense. I mean, it's not saying what he's doing with that spoonful of semen, but I bet you anything he's saying she doesn't know what it is or where it comes from. So who knows what's actually going on? Yeah. I mean, my interpretation is that he's feeding it to her, which is really gross, but... Well, if that's the case, that's really disgusting. It is. Yeah. I mean... And I say that because that's, I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. She doesn't know what it is or where it comes from, but it's actually a spoonful of my semen and it doesn't affect her physically. So I feel like he's giving it to her. I, that's, I just can't even say that without being absolutely grossed out by it. It's cringy for sure. Um, so, you know, if it, I mean, assuming that everything in this letter is true, he's works from home. Mm Mm-hmm. According to him, he talks in great detail about, you know, her teeth, having her incisors and everything. So he's an educated person, yeah. I would think, because that's not something that normal people talk about. Right. You know, if I describe, you know, any of my kids, I'm not going to describe their teeth. Exactly. That's like, strange. do you even know, like, oh, how many, how many of your adult teeth do you have? <laughs> I like. All of them. I'm yeah. proud of that. <laughs> no, I mean like your kids. Like you don't describe them that way. You don't describe them as like, well, I mean, she has five adult teeth. Like you just, that's not a, a right, normal right. way to describe a child. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not a normal way to describe a child. I mean, 
And then the fact that he's been all these places with her, she can describe San Francisco and Chicago and Nashville. All right, and even Great Britain and Canada, so he's taken her out of the country according to him. That's the part that's kind of the part that seems unbelievable. Why? It just I don't know, it just doesn't I mean it's not a regular everyday person type well, no. I mean, maybe. Behavior. I mean, it sounds like he's financially set. He has some kind of a steady investment income. So, yeah, I, mean, I guess it's. Po- yeah, the- it's. Po- I'm, I'm just. I'm not saying it's false. I'm just saying that's the only part that. I mean, there's a lot that's unbelievable, but that part kind of stands out to me for some reason. That okay, and then you're going to say that nobody even checks passports. And in '83, they probably didn't. Right now, it's a different story. Clearly, yeah. But man, I don't, I don't even know what to think of that letter. With her in Great Britain for a month, they were there for a month the year before. So, I don't know. It's really weird. That's all. I mean, that's all I can say. Yeah, it is weird. Anyway, go go ahead and continue. I'm going to table that. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. I'm going to try to think about that for a little while. Yeah, I don't know what to think about it. So, this person has never been identified. But I'm wondering, it was a mailed letter. I wonder if now, and with today's, you know, developments in DNA, genetic genealogy, all those things, do you think, you know, what is the possibility that there's DNA on that letter or the envelope well, that was sent? If there was DNA on the letter, it would be um, what's called touch DNA. And we're not, we're not quite there yet to do genetic genealogy with touch DNA. Well, what if he licked the envelope? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, all I know is I I've, I've heard and and you know just talking to people who do genetic genealogy that one day we'll probably get there where they can do genetic genealogy with a smaller profile or a smaller sample mm-hmm. uh, such as touch DNA. I don't know if you know definitely over time DNA degrades, so I don't know that there would be an, enough there. But hopefully one day we get there and it's something that they might be able to explore. Yeah. That would be great. Anyway, in 1990, Unsolved Mysteries aired an episode about Nileen's disappearance. Although no tips directly related to Nileen were received, one tip that was received ended up in the discovery of another missing girl. A teacher called the tip line and reported he thought one of his students might be Nileen. When authorities arrived at the girl's residence, they found the girl was not Nileen, but was missing girl Monica Bonilla, who had been kidnapped several years earlier by her father. Shortly after she was found, Monica was reunited with her mother. So I know that doesn't have anything to do with Nileen's case, but I thought it was interesting that her story actually led to the discovery of another missing little girl. I I like that. I mm-hmm. think it's pretty awesome. You know, at least there's something good that came out of Nileen's disappearance. Somebody yeah. else is saved. That's that's worth bragging about for Nileen. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Also in 1990, Nileen's uncle saw a composite sketch of a couple who were being investigated for a kidnapping. The uncle said he thought he saw that same couple during the search on the day Nileen disappeared. The composite sketch is reported to closely resemble serial rapist and murderer Franklin Delano Floyd and one of his victims, Sharon Marshall. Apparently, Floyd kidnapped Sharon at a very young age and raised her as his own daughter. It was later revealed that Sharon's real name was Suzanne Savakis. Unfortunately, that uh, that lead didn't pan out either, so they weren't able to connect anything. So I don't know how sure a, the uncle was that he 
saw them there. Well, two things on that. First, you know, I, I think that your your brain wants to see things mm-hmm. and wants to fill in those gaps, um, you know, with information because you want that resolution. But the other thing is, man, what a strange coincidence. He This person kidnapped somebody and raised them as their own, just like this person in the letter. I know. It's really weird. And she was named Sharon Marshall, which that's Nyleen's last name too. So just kind of a lot of weird coincidences in that. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. In August of 1991, a 42-year-old man by the name of Richard James Wilson confessed to killing both Nyleen and another woman. Richard had a past 1984 conviction in Helena for sexually assaulting a minor. Richard also had a history of mental illness. Police held Richard in jail for a week, but they were unable to substantiate any of his claims, and they released him. It's unknown if he's still considered a suspect in Nyleen's case at all. Yeah, I wonder what made him come forward to say he did this. I don't know. I mean, people do that. It's weird, but people... They do. They'll do false confessions. Like the guy that claimed that he killed JonBenet Ramsey and he had nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah. They were able to disprove that yeah, entirely. I know. But like people do that. And and this man does have a history of mental illness. I don't know if that played into that or not. Um, I, I have no idea. And I don't know why police decided, okay, none of his claims are accurate. And I mean, they something caused them to say, no, this guy's not, this isn't real. It's and they not released credible. Him. Yeah. So... Is it that they released him because it's not credible or it was just they released him because they couldn't build enough evidence to support his confession? I don't know. I just saw that they couldn't substantiate anything that he said, so they released him. Yeah, because, you you know, some people will think, and it makes sense, I would think this too, if you have somebody confessing, then you can just go ahead and try them and convict them and, you know, sentence them. But that's not true. You still Mm -hmm. need evidence to support that confession. Right. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of people, like I said, that come forward saying, oh, I had something to do with this for who knows what reason, you know, but they do it. And so, yeah, you always have to have the evidence to back it up. So the Marshall family moved to Japan in 1994. And when Kim was offered a job opportunity in Mexico in 1995, Nancy went ahead of the family to Mexico to search for housing for them. Sadly, Nancy was found in her hotel room at an upscale resort, hanging from her shower with her hands tied behind her back. Police initially reported her death as a suicide. However, it was later discovered that Nancy had been sexually assaulted and her wedding ring, watch, and a bottle of her perfume had been stolen. The door to her room was also kicked in. Unfortunately, Nancy passed away without any answers about Nyleen's disappearance. I I know it doesn't have like anything to do with Nyleen's disappearance, but why on earth did police ever consider that a suicide? That's what I was just going to say. Her hands were tied behind her back and her door was kicked in. (laughs) Like, why? I don't, I never, I did not understand that. When I was doing the research, I'm like, what? On earth. I don't know. Where 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 was this again? It's I'm in, sorry. It was in Mexico. I don't know what part of okay, Mexico. Okay, that probably has I a lot to do with it. it. I'm I'm not dogging on police in Mexico, but come on. It's not I mean, they're not highly trained like Well, and I think other sometimes countries. I think sometimes in resort places like that too, they don't want tourists to be afraid to come to their country. Oh, and 100%. so they try to hide some of those things so that they're not scared to go there, right? 100%. So I, don't know, I don't know if that played into it at all, but as I was reading that, I'm like, 
what? I mean, how do you commit suicide with your hands tied behind your back and then kick your door in? Like, yeah, it, I just thought that was really interesting. You know, I will say stranger things have happened, but I think upon initial inspection of that crime scene, any reasonable person would say this is not suicide. Yeah. Yeah, she was beaten and bruised. Um, yeah, police apparently never pursued the case. And, you know, Kim wasn't in the country, and I guess he deemed that it was too dangerous for him to continue trying to investigate it from outside of the country. This happened in Mexico City, by the way. That's where it was in Mexico. And so either way, um, Nancy ended up being buried back in the United States in Texas. But I don't, the police never pursued it. They never solved it, never did anything about it. It doesn't sound like so. Her killer just got away with it. Yeah. Or killers. Yeah. What a very sad set of circumstances for Kim. I know. First, your daughter goes missing and you don't receive any kind of, you know, resolution to that. And then your wife is brutally murdered in another country. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. In 1998, a nurse at a New Orleans hospital called in a tip after watching a re-airing of that Unsolved Mysteries episode I was talking about. The nurse reported that a 19-year-old Oklahoma woman came to the hospital to deliver her baby and was evasive with staff when asked about her medical history. At the hospital, the woman reported her name was Helena, and she didn't know much about her past, but she believed her mother's name to be Nylene. Due to these strange coincidences in names, the woman's blood was tested against Nancy's. I wasn't able to find the results of the test, but I'm assuming there wasn't a match as Nyleen's case is still open and unsolved. But isn't that weird? Have I mean... Well, she's missing from Helena. Right, and her name is Nyleen, and that's not a common name. No, I've actually never heard of Nyleen until I've today. Nev- yeah, I've never heard that name either. So just really strange and she's being evasive and she's from oklahoma but she goes to a new orleans hospital to have her baby the whole thing was wait did he in that letter did he mention oklahoma i know he's i I remember he said i think maybe there was it like oklahoma city and new orleans i think they were both mentioned in the letter that's very interesting yeah that's weird but i guess it wasn't a match so it wasn't her huh okay It should be mentioned that Nyleen's adoptive father, Kim, was considered a person of interest in the case initially, but I couldn't really find any information to confirm why or if he was ever officially cleared. They didn't say a whole lot about him, um, just that he at one point was considered a person of interest. I don't see any indication that he was ever away from the other adults that day or anything to have had the opportunity to take Nyleen away from the area. So again, I'm not sure why investigators labeled him as a person of interest. I did find one source that claimed there were local rumors about Kim being involved in some shady dealings, and there was a nearby cabin in the woods in where, where she went missing that was used for drug smuggling that was later burned down. But other than that, I couldn't find any other information um, that any of that is at all connected to Nyleen's disappearance. As far as I can tell, none of the information was ever substantiated, and it looks like it was just some local rumors around that area. Man, you know, I'm still stuck on this letter, though. You, you know, it's great that he's never been charged, because I don't I don't really, I'm not sold that he had anything to do with it, meaning oh, Kim. Kim, no, I didn't see anything 
Um, I, and, and the family, nobody thought that. But I, I can't help but go back to this letter. I mean, you know, nowadays there's, there's ways to track those letters. There's mm-hmm. ways to track stamps even, you know, yeah. that you, they're able, you know, the postmaster, as far as I know, um, I've been told I've never actually had the experience with this, but I'm pretty sure they can track those stamps to like a machine or where they were purchased. Hmm. And then if they're purchased at a, if they're purchased at a uh, post office, they're able to look at the cameras on whoever purchased them or look at the credit card. Right. There's ways to track it now. It's not so easy to just get away with mailing something anymore. Yeah. Too yeah, bad, that's too bad that wasn't the case in I know. 1983. It's just so weird too that those phone calls in the letter where the letter was postmarked from were in such close proximity to each other, like 30 minutes away from each other. That is weird. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be the same guy, and oh, oh, yeah, if he didn't do if he didn't do anything, and he's just taunting him, you know, police or just trying to. Who knows what? Well, clearly, either way, he's a weirdo to write a letter like that. That's so strange. Yeah. Yes, it is weird. Mm. Nyleen was four years old at the time of her disappearance, but would be 45 years old today. Nyleen is a white female with brown hair and blue eyes. Nyleen has a small mole above her left eyebrow and dimples on both cheeks. At the time of her disappearance, Nyleen's upper left baby tooth was chipped, Nyleen has excess hair on her lower back, and she is right-handed. She was 3 feet 2 inches tall and 29 pounds at the time of her disappearance. We have posted photos of Nyleen at the time of her disappearance and one age progression photo of what Nyleen may have looked like at age 43 on our website at mysteriesandmimosas.net. Nyleen has never been found. If you have any information at all concerning the disappearance of Nyleen K. Marshall, please contact the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office at 406-225-4075. This is such a strange case, and I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I would really love to just read that letter in its entirety. I know. Or letters, if there's more. Yeah, I tried to find it. I mean, that's the that's the only one I could find was th- those that's excerpts. That's the redacted version, it. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, was she abducted by that man in Wisconsin? Was he the man in the purple jogging suit that day that the other kids saw? Did she wander off and succumb to the elements? I mean, because, again, this is a mountain mountainous area. I'm sure there's wild animals. Um, there were mine shafts in the area. There's water sources in the area. I don't know. Well, you know, initial, my initial thought was, ah, oh, this can't be true. Edgerton is 1,300 miles away from Clancy. But if he's traveling to all these places that he mentions in the letters, then obviously that's totally explainable on why he would be 1,300 miles away. Right. And maybe maybe he lived in that area before. And then once he abducted her, decided to move away. Who knows? And maybe he doesn't even live in Wisconsin. Maybe that's just one of the places he's visiting and decides to send the letters from a place he's visiting. He right. could live anywhere in the United States. That's true. They're just postmarked from yeah. Wisconsin, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's. No, I wonder if there's anything in his letters that indicates that he's actually living in Wisconsin. Not that I know of. That is such a crazy story. I'd really love to see resolution on that. Um, hopefully, if anybody knows anything, or 
even better if you are listening and you are the person that wrote that letter. And if you in fact did take Nylene and you hear this, you should reach out to me at mysteriesandmimosas.net and let me interview you. That's what I think you should do. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, in the meantime, thank you for listening. Please join us on Instagram at Mysteries and Mimosas podcast. And also you can find us on Facebook. And of course, if you have any episode suggestions or mimosa recipe suggestions, or if you just want to harass Aria for giving such a horrible rendition of trivia, feel free to reach out to us on mysteriesandmimosas.net. Sorry, I had to end on that note. Yeah, you just can't let it go. I'm sad. I'm sad because I was like, man, I was feeling good all day long. You're like, hey, when when I woke up, first thing that you said this morning was like, hey, I got some great trivia for you. Mm-hmm. And what did I say? Not even worried. Yep. Pumped myself up all day long, only to be just put down. Mm. It's sad. I'm sorry. You should feel sorry no, for me. Actually, I'm not sorry. I don't <laughs> feel bad. You're mean to me every every week on trivia, so... You'll get over if, it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, next week I'll get over it when I smash you at trivia. Maybe. I don't know who's doing it next week. What I think we should do is actually, if you're interested in being a part of our trivia, whether you want to give me trivia hmm. or if you want us to run you through trivia, I think you should reach out on our website because we would totally do that. Yeah, that'd be fun. So if you're interested, mysteriesandmimosas.net. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.